Hey, everyone. This is Chris Ryan from The Ringer. As many of you have heard by now, we lost a treasured colleague and friend over the weekend. Jonathan Charks passed away on Saturday. John was 34. He leaves behind a wife and a son, and we are obviously mourning his loss and sending all of our love to his family right now. If you go to theringer.com slash Jonathan Charks, that's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-T-J-A-R-K-S, you will find a memorial page for John which has links to his GoFundMe that benefits his family and the amazing writing he did throughout his experience. I encourage you to go there. And if you can, please support the Charks family. Briefly, I will just say that John was among the first people that we hired to work for The Ringer. So he was instrumental in defining the voice and perspective of the site. He has as much to do with what this place is as anyone else. And throughout his experience with cancer, John communicated eloquently about the challenges he was facing, both through his writing and his podcasting. You could never stop John from talking about his passions. It's one of the things I loved about him. Over the last few months, you know, whenever we would talk, whenever I would reach out to see how he was doing, I would try to keep it very John-focused. And the next thing I knew, we would be talking about James Harden or Better Call Saul. He really loved this stuff. Uh, he loved talking about it, celebrating it, debating it, illuminating it. We're going to keep putting out our pods and writing while we grieve but we wanted to let folks know that John was in our hearts and that his family was in our thoughts. Thanks for listening. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity. The unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. You've evolved. You want to help people. You're not a villain anymore. That is not true! Why won't you just admit it? Because I don't want to lose you. Welcome into the Ringerverse. It's the Ringer's Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. And guess what? What? Welcome back to the Mint Edition. It's a once in a while podcast about all the latest fandom that you just can't live without. I'm your host, Steve Allman, senior producer at The Ringer. Joining me today, as he does always, explainer of the Midnight Boys, social for The Ringer. He's currently playing bass for the band Jazza Pajizza. It's Joey Adinaron! What's going on? You know, I had to I had to fill in for my guy. Uh, my guy, Eric, he, you know, usually pays the bass at Jazza Pajizza, but they needed a <laughs> fill-in. So I had to dust off my old uh, my old guitar and get to work, but it was cool, man. We put in a lot of we put in a lot of good sets. So I'm what's really your glad. what's your repertoire for bass? Like what are you, what are some good riffs that you probably probably? Uh, I'm guessing yeah. you're an R and B guy. Nah, man. You know I like soul. I like jazz. Okay. Right. You know what I mean? Like I like to put the you know the funk back in the bunk. You know what I'm saying? Okay, okay. You know, four string, five, like whatever, bro. Like I I do my thing. I stay in my bag. I, I, and listen, I, and I want you nowhere else but your bag. And that's exactly where you're going to be here today. That's right. As we talk about the season finale and overall impressions of season three of Harley Quinn. Yeah! One of the, one of the best dang... <laughs> you just, you blew out Kerm's ears. Kerm is fine. No, he's His not. His ears still work. You crippled him right now. I'm excited. What can I say? I'm you, excited. Yeah, we, we are. We're very excited to talk about Harley. But we're also excited to talk about what else is coming up on the feed? Mm. Programming reminders before we begin. Tomorrow, Talk of Thrones is back right after episode five of House of the Dragon. Join CR, 
Join Mallory Rubin. Join Joanna Robinson. Immediate impressions about this rollicking episode. Hopefully, uh, not as controversial as the last one, but we'll see. Uh, Tuesday, House of R is going to give you the deep dive into the latest episode of House of the Dragon. And Wednesday, the Midnight Boys are going to be back with their instant reactions to the three-episode premiere of Andor. Listen, man. You've been talking mad gas. Everybody's talking mad gas. Everybody's putting this gas. I'm ready. Into Andor. I haven't seen it yet. I'm re- I'm, I, I haven't tapped in. Don't you worry, buddy. I think you're going to be in a really good place. I'm, I've, all I've been hearing is it's fire, it's this, it's that. Listen, my, I thought it was just, I mean, it's summer's basically over, but summer of no expectations. I don't know. Man. Might, might, be, might be cooked. That's some good stuff. Might all be right. cooked. Well, all that's happening on the Ringiverse feed. Where can we find that if we want to find it on the internet? I'm really glad you asked me that, Steve. Let's, um, let's take a moment here to... Uh, Sit in reverence. Sit in reverence of the Ringer social feeds. Guys, I just want to say. I just crossed myself. I just want to say thank you so much. The love, the support you've shown us on social, we cannot get enough. And we appreciate all the kind words, all the follows, all the likes. Thank you so much. If you want more content, if you want more info, if you just want to send me funny jokes, you can do that at the Ringerverse on Twitter at the Ringerverse on Instagram, and especially, especially at the Ringerverse on TikTok. We got some fire content coming from you from all angles, so please make sure to follow us on the socials. Also, join the Facebook group and say nice things because we could really use that boost in our lives. We always love to hear that. Love it. And on today's show, we are going to be talking about the excellent season three of Harley Quinn, and we're also going to be giving out some special season awards for our favorite moments, characters, and everything in between. We have some special guests this episode. Showrunners Justin Halpern, Patrick Shoemaker, and Sarah Peters will be joining us for a great chat about season three and more to come for season four. Uh, We had a great chat with them. I'm really excited. But coming up now, we got to be warned. A friendly neighborhood spoiler warning. We're going to be talking about everything that's happened in Harley Quinn seasons one, two, and three, and pretty much just how much we loved it. You ready for it, Jomi? I'm so ready to dive back into Gotham. Let's go! All right, Jomi. Thoughts on season three as a whole? Man, from beginning to end, it was a wild ride, and I loved every second of it. It was so much fun. You know, we finally get to see Harley and Ivy be a couple, be together. And, I mean, we talked about this in our in the episode that we did for the premiere where we were like where do we think they go like we we pretty much said like this season depends on them and their relationship and not only were we right it was beautiful it was lovely they had their ups and downs which we'll get into but it was just a fantastic season of television and i enjoyed i enjoyed it so much i absolutely loved it I don't know if I want to call it the best season of Harley Quinn just yet, because I think that there were a couple of great ideas that we came out with for this season and some previous seasons that I might have glommed onto a bit more. But that's not to say that this wasn't an absolute banger Peter. of a season. Yeah, man. Um, we had the we had a great episode of the Villies. We got to see a psychological indictment of Bruce Wayne. Our guy got locked up for tax fraud. Uh, there was it, some music. It, it's the end of the road for him. Uh, I, like I was genuinely surprised at the things that we got to see from this season. Um, do we think that this might have been the best season yet for you? Like, let's rank these seasons. Like, for me personally, I really kind of loved season two because I think the will they or won't they of Harley and Ivy along with the psycho angle that came out at the end of this that season, might have been my number one. And then this right behind it, and then season one. I think I have to agree with you there, but my reasoning for season two is because there was just a lot of Kite Man. And you know, that's my guy. That's fa- <laughs> the Kite Man arc is seminal. Really. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! I was locked in, man. No, but this season, I mean, even if we're like, oh, for season two, that doesn't make this season any more, or any less special. It was very, very, very much tied into the characters that we love. We got to see more Catwoman. We got to see more Bruce Wayne. We got we introduced the Bat Family this year, right? So many great ideas. So much cool stuff. No, yeah. no, it, it, it's genuinely incredible because the toy box that this show has is so deep and so inventive. 
We've mentioned this before, but like the cachet that this show has to kind of just play in so many spaces. And we're going to be talking about this uh, with uh, Sarah Patrick and Justin. The amount of things that this show can get away with is actually is actually incredible. <laughs> it's nice. And I, th- I think that we want to really like give credit to like some of our favorite things this episode. So we're going to be talking about and giving away some of our season three awards and talk about some of the best things that happened this third season. So why don't we start off by giving away our award for best character this season? Who, who took the cake for the best character arc that we had this season? There are a lot of candidates, you know, Carly was great. You know, we know, you know, we love ourselves some Bane over here. My monster mm-hmm. maker. Carly. <laughs> you know, but you got to give it to who I thought had the best year, the best season, Poison Ivy. It, th- that's that's my pick too. Poison Ivy, Poison Ivy, like not only a great counterpoint to Harley as uh, a, a romantic interest, but like also the, the ideas that she's coming through and like the actual growth that she shows through that relationship with uh, with Harley is actually pretty incredible because uh, like I mentioned this in the beginning of our season premiere pod, like Harley and Ivy are kind of like uh, opposites in, as far as attraction is concerned. Like Harley's very like attached and very people pleasing and very like uh, like wants to do the absolute best for Ivy in the exact moment that is called for. Ivy's very staunchly independent. She's very like uh, like I don't need help. She's very self reliant. Yeah. And when it comes to that dynamic at play. At every turn, when she's kind of in a bit of a like a friction point when it comes to either Ivy or the side plot of getting back Frank yeah. or uh, Plant Armageddon, <laughs> it, it was it was really great to see how she responds to those things and grows with Harley every time and like have having a bit of uh, great trust between the two of them and and it's something that I really really enjoyed. What what for you made Ivy this best character? Ivy was the best for me because at, in, there's a scene in season one where Harley's like, I'm going to go kill, I'm going to go kill Robin. And Poison Ivy's like, Harley, you can't kill him. Fast forward to the season finale and Harley's like, hey, I don't know about this whole criminality thing. And she's like, I got to kill. And Poison Ivy's like, I got to kill the Joker. Right. right, like this. Yeah, it's a flip where, like, if in like, in if you hadn't seen the whole show, you'd be like, "Yo, what's going on?" Like, I thought, you know, that you would be the one. To, but watching this season, you realize, oh, they're on two different paths. And while, like, we can kind of see like it coming for Harley, for Poison Ivy, you start to realize that later in the season, like, oh, like this is what she like she's always wanted, like this is the person she's always wanted to become. And to see her fully realize that in this season, to finally become the villain that she wants to be, ultimately wants to grow into, was cool. And I really think that that made the season, that made her character stand out. She obviously has a lot of depth, and the show is, uh, I think, the most willing to explore her depth the most. Um, it, it's it's genuinely a great turn for Ivy now that she's in this committed relationship with Harley to really test that in like independence from her and know that she can let more people in. She's always kind of been a little like not cold, but like slightly keeping the rest of the crew at arm's length because like, this is like, this is about me. Like I've got my own agenda. This is all these things. She just like me for real. Exactly. And letting that family in uh, is a great, like earnest and well, earned moment that this show can give. So I, I, I genuinely loved it. So next award. Next up. Best side character. This is this was a tough one for me because it was like, I'm trying to cheat and maybe get a twofer in here. But <laughs> you trying to, like, try to pull a Mallory. May, a little bit, a little bit. I learned, I learned from the best. Give me your best side character. My best character. I'm going to go a little bit off the bean path here. Okay. Batgirl was great. Batgirl was great. Batgirl was so much fun because... You know, speaking of Poison Ivy's change, Harley Quinn's change, you see last season where she meets Batgirl and it's like, 
ah, right, cool. I'm a, you know, yeah, you just do what you got to do over there. <laughs> I'm going to be over here. We not really right. like that. And even in, you know, when they when they do the Mad Hatter mission, she's kind of like, yeah, like I gave you my number, but you're really not supposed to text me. Like this is this yeah, is kind when of like I hit you with the LOL. Yeah, when I hit you with LOL, that means stop talking to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? She really is like, Drake, giving you my number, but don't hit me on no dumb shit. Exactly. Like, <laughs> but Batgirl is so persistent and so right? committed to be like, Harley, you got good in you. Da, 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 this and that. And at the end of the day, like, they're teammates. Right. No, like, and they are. And like, it's this, there's this genuine, like, enthusiasm and like welcomeness that Babs has towards her that like, I, I, like, I genuinely love because it's kind of like uh, a little bit like Michael Sarah's version of Robin in Lego Batman, <laughs> where like, she's like welcoming to anything. Like yeah. the fact that she knows who Harley is and she's still like, okay, well, we're helping out here. Uh, like, I think that's great because it gets on Harley's nerves so much. So much. But she kind of just wills it into kind of being a part of the family. And yeah. like, we'll see near the end of this season that, they're kind of welcomed her with open arms. With open it's arms. great. It's a true earnestness to Batgirl that even though she knows all about Harley's exploits and what she's done, she's still like, hey, you have some good to offer. Why not come over on this side? And I loved every moment. Even the even the finale where she's like, wow, I can't sign because it's supposed to be Batman. It's like, no, Batman is he's the guy on the on the lease. He, he's the only person who can <laughs> Like, it's, ah. it's his. It's his. I, I do like that. That's the legal binding <laughs> name that people sign for is Batman. Batman. Yeah. Man. What about you? What is your favorite or best side character? All right. So if I have to actually give this to one person, it was going to be Catwoman. But mm. my cheat is going to be Catwoman and Sad Boy Bruce <laughs> because. Not to say that Catwoman isn't an interesting enough character on her own, but I think the main interactions that she has with Bruce, knowing that she's above all of this, she doesn't need Bruce. Like, Bruce is very much the, like, clingy, uh, like, kind of needy boyfriend that is just like, well, what do you want to do tonight? Like, what, like we, can do, we can do anything. And he's, like, rubbing her feet and all of these things. And he's, like, kind of so attached to her that Selena's just like, oh, whatever. Like, like it's not something that like we really get to explore because it's always like, oh, they're just always in love. They're always the ones that are like attached at the hip when Bruce is kind of the actual baggage that Selena has. <laughs> Jesus. It's no, it is. Because like Br Bruce is so complicated and so messed up that like when she just kind of breaks things off with him, he's beside himself playing Wonderwall in the Bat Cave with like a beanie and a hoodie on. Down <laughs> absolutely horrendous. Down colossal. Just just down abysmally. And it's so funny because that's so peak Bruce to me, is where he's just like playing guitar, writing poetry. And the, I, th I think that's brilliant. I loved the fact that that was happening. But I think Selena definitely made a major showing in season two. But uh, I think season three, when they're hanging out at her apartment, all of those, like, the, the amazing Japanese toilet that she needs to show off, <laughs> uh, the, the, all of those things were great. That's, that, that was, like, a perfect, perfect turn for her. Nah, it was great. It was great. Next award, best episode. For me, you know, and I just want to be very clear. Let me, let me open up to the listeners real quick. The first episode that we did for this uh, season three of Harley Quinn, Steve was like, hey, let's see, what happens if they do a musical, man? Like, I would love to see okay. that. And I was like, nah, I'm out. I was like, nah, I, I, I can't do it. That's I, the bottom line. As somebody who actually genuinely enjoys musicals like you, I'm, I'm so, I, it still baffles me that you wouldn't want this. Listen, I've, I've been hurt before, okay? I just got done watching the, a new season of High School Musical, the musical, the series. Man, and it just takes a toll on you, man. You don't it's, need it. Okay, it just right. waits on your heart. We, this isn't the hurt. This isn't the pain Olympics right Listen, now. I'm just. I'm, let me, I'm let, saying me is, let me tell you something. All I'm saying is, you know, it takes a lot out of you, right? Sure. So I didn't know, but I, I'm gonna sit here and be honest with you guys. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that I don't usually say. Audience, it's just, it's just us, right? It's just the, the, the three of us in this. Nobody's room. listening. Nobody can. Nobody's know. listening. I was wrong. Yes, you were. I was wrong. That's fine. The it's my favorite episode is it's a swamp thing. And it's a great oh, episode. Man. Sam Richardson is great at Swamp yes, Thing. Incredible. Bringing Nora back. It's great. But the scene with Music Meister and that was Batman. It's, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen in my it, life. It was so incredible. <laughs> because like it, again, 
you like you think you think oh yeah condiment king oh yeah clock king all that stuff like you think that the rogues gallery is weird but music meister music meister mm. like i forgot who that was <laughs> like i didn't really like who is this? And it's like, he's run DMC. He's like, he's just giving them like music therapy. Uh, it, absolutely incredible. But like, it, it, to, to your point for that episode, uh, Sam Richardson is Swamp Thing and like Nora coming back, like that's so funny to me. Uh, the the former Mrs. Freeze <laughs> on a, going through a bit of a rough patch again, <laughs> going on a bit of a tear with Swamp Thing. I absolutely adored that. Um, so onto me, my favorite episode uh, was the Villies, and it's really only because I like I love a like just like a one two punch of like every single small sight gag you can cram into one episode through different characters. The fact that Man Bat like had a story about his mother's leukemia that we did not hear, but <laughs> we're told was great. Told was just absolutely heart wrenching. Uh, we get like Joker do in this. We get. Uh, Catwoman's amazing speech about like you just did this to me because I'm black. <laughs> you and, just and then they pad over to to Black, black Manta. Manta. He's going crazy. Like yeah, yeah. And the Joker's like he's black. black? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't know. And then uh, so like it, all of that being like I love it. The idea of like villains getting together and like just having a night for themselves. And we also get this amazing closure that Kite Man is doing all right, that he's moved on, he's got a great new girlfriend. And hearing all of these great things that like it's kind of a great like tying of the bow for season 2 that I really really enjoyed because after that we see like how Joker's living with his new family again, he'll start to run for mayor, all these things. I think see the episode 3 The Villies was probably a very great launching point to have a lot of great fun. Yeah, man. That was um, great. But again, all too like all too many great ones. A quick honorable mention to Batman Begins Forever, uh, the incredible episode where we take Psycho once again to go into Bruce Wayne's mind. We need Psycho in the show more because we need to do this to every character. We really <laughs> did, like. I know it's going to get rote after a time, and I know it's going to get boring. But like honestly, I want to dive into every single person's mind and then have a fun bottle episode there because it was so fun when we did it with Harley. Great when we did it with Ivy. Amazing when we did it with Bruce Wayne. Like, and it's been the best, like, kind of indictment about what Bruce Wayne and Batman is. The fact that, like, this actually makes no sense. Like, Batman actually makes no sense. If you actually, like, could have gotten therapy, you could have gotten this. You could have done it, like, and the fact that Harley could diagnose that is awesome. It's great. For me, like, if I had to pick a honorable mention, it'd be a thief, a mole, and an orgy. Uh, just, there you just, go. That's a, a good one too. It's a good episode. Like you think, you know, if you know the lore, you're like quarter owls. Ooh, spooky. This is <laughs> this is serious business. No, yeah. they just like you know, on the floor having sex, just real nasty. Like, Which honestly, I think when you when you achieve your superhero agenda, I, and you but you want to keep the club going. Yeah, <laughs> it's either that or like a run club or a book club nah, meeting or something. Like the, you know, they also have that scene with Jim Gordon and, and Bruce Wayne. He's like. Yeah, no, I know who you are behind the mask. It's cool. Like, I think, ooh, it's um, and like you could think Bruce is like, uh oh, he's gonna figure out yeah. on Batman. Even the shadow behind him is making is the, the cowl. Bat- yeah. yeah, the Batman silhouette. He's like, oh, you're Bruce Wayne. He's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Jim's an idiot. It's great. No, I lo- I love Jim Gordon being an idiot. That's the best. Oh man, this show- this show's amazing. All right, best gag. Best gag. I mean, the, the, okay, like, there's no like, there's a metric shit ton of jokes in one episode let alone all of them do you have a favorite gag that stood out to you throughout the shit like is something that you keep thinking back to my, thinking that you think my pasta maker pasta maker my pasta maker so I, like that's that's a multi-episode arc for it's, our pasta making game he, he, he finally gets over it only for this <laughs> he does it for himself alright Banes are doing it for themselves he's got a call I I need to call my therapist. She said I I, <laughs> I should been, text her in these I, situations. In the situations, only to see her as a tr- as a messed up tree. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. And then he's still trying to talk to her. <laughs> it's great. It's fantastic. Uh, I, it's just it. I mean, like I me, mean, like Bane as a whole is like one of the funniest characters on the show. But just him going through that journey, the whole season, like trying to like not. I won't. I don't want to blow blow you up. Him like not <laughs> doing that. Is is just it, honestly is cinema. 
Just yeah. great cinema. I loved it. I I I I couldn't agree more. That's a, that's a, a fantastic gag. But like, I, I always just tend to remember the joke that might have just made me laugh the hardest, or like makes me pause to be like, wait a minute, that's so fucking smart. That's so like clever, and I don't know why they like. It's so simple, and it's in it's in Batman Begins Forever when she's uh, when Harley is talking to a young Bruce Wayne, and he's basically giving him the reason to like thinking that Batman is the only way that he can actually help Gotham. And she says, well, I mean, you're Bruce Wayne. If you can, if you really wanted to help Gotham, I mean, maybe you could help with like, I don't know, affordable housing. (laughs) And then baby Bruce Wayne says, people pay for housing. (laughs) And that's like, that's such a great indictment of who Bruce Wayne is because he's so out of touch and he's so like stuck up his own ass with his own sadness and entitlement that he doesn't even think about what the little people are actually doing. And it's a great, great note that we got from Justin before our interview that like there's a note on the writer's wall that says billionaires should not exist. And uh, that is a very good indictment for what Bruce Wayne is should be in this show. I just love that joke. It speaks to how much of an airhead Bruce Wayne is. Uh, I, I absolutely love it. Uh, one we got to talk about is, is Joker being like a socialist? <laughs> jo- Joker, Joker's fuck, Joker Bernie Sanders. He's like that, that, um, the episode where he's trying to get his kids into, uh, in the, into the Spanish He hates school. Common Core. Doug. <laughs> He's like, I'm not like a socialist. I, I am, am a, a socialist. socialist. I like, like, great. I, I was like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't condone the behavior from the Joker, but I understand. It's I, the, using a bank robbery to establish a platform for mayor is a real bold statement that I genuinely think that Gotham could use more of. It's great. I was when I saw that, and then have that be a recurring bit to know that Jim Gordon was losing in the polls to a guy impaled on a pole. <laughs> It's all about the polls. Again, we can't decide. This is an impossible award. So we're going on to the next one. It's great. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Best side plot. Okay, we always love a B plot. We always love a thing that like kind of takes us off the beaten path. What did you love for this season that wasn't exactly in the main viewpoint, but on the periphery? I I loved the Bruce and Selena relationship. So good. So good. You know, like it starts off like, oh, they're just hooking up like you know she come to the crib has her own wing in the manor and then like I, I mentioned before the guy that was over is like Bruce wants more Selena wants less and so they kind of break it off and he's like you know he goes down this well of sadness and it, to the point where like yeah I'm gonna bring my parents back I can't have Selena so I'm gonna you know move on to the next thing and when that goes awry and he's still alone but she shows up to the premiere. Oh, so nice. Because she knows that him being alone Man. is tough. I was like, wow. It's that's... The, the, the line was, uh, even though like um, we're not seeing 
each other, I still want to see you happy. And I'm like, man, I'm not gonna like. I didn't cry, but I had tears in my eyes. I'm not gonna. It was. It I'm was not talking about it. I'm I was talking about it. I was. Uh, that was real beautiful, man. I ain't gonna hold you. That, yeah. I love that. I love. Like you know, we they have so much comic history together. They have so much you know on screen history together. But even in that moment, you're like you see a new side, a different you know yeah. evolution of their relationship, and. It's it's awesome. It was awesome to see, and I really liked following that throughout the season. What about you, man? What was your favorite side? Uh, King Shark and his dick bag brother. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Just two opposite sides. Of I know. The coin I, I understand that, but it, like, man, it's so funny when he he's got to go back to the ocean and like have have the funeral for his dad and like talked about his brother about like we're gonna be basically demolishing the kingdom for a resort. Yeah, and he's like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Can't and it basically <laughs> fights his brother to the death for it. Yeah. Um, it, 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 incredible. Because, like, we... I, I, I love Ron Funches. I love King Shark. I love the... Like, the liberties that this show can take with the confidence that it could have to just take us to the ocean for half of an episode and have King Shark deal with his bullshit is, is so refreshing and so wonderful to see. Um, I love it whenever we get that. I, I like. I want more of that with the gang, and uh, that was that, to me that was one of my favorites. All right, surprisingly real moment of the show. Sometimes things hit close to home. Sometimes uh, the show's got a lot of real shit that we got to talk about. Yeah, man. Why, why don't you go first, man? Uh, I'm talking about Harley's anxious attachment. Mm. Um, it's uh, it's real because like. It, Applying anything that you can see to a relationship that you've either had or people that you know or places and situations that you've been in, like, you know, who among us hasn't been at odds with somebody that we've been with or, you know, overthought, underthought things? Harley's just trying to do her best because she loves Ivy to death. And in the at the season finale, like, the support that she gives Ivy only because she wants to do it. Like, she doesn't even like the Legion of Doom. She doesn't even want anything to do with it. But the fact that Ivy wants that and she wants to kind of do those things for her, even though it's kind of antithetical to who she is, uh, it's wonderful. And it comes at the end of uh, an amazing line that we heard at the top of the show that Ivy's like, you know, we can want different things and still be together. And we can still work with those aspects of ourselves like that was beautiful and like probably one of the best things that I've loved about this show is the fact that you know th they've been on record by saying that you know Harley and Ivy won't break up and it's it's shit like this that makes me know that it's not going to happen because that's that's a really really beautiful thing yeah it's great it truly is for me it was Harley keeping Batman secret uh you know you talk about well, that's like, just a HIPAA violation. That's just I mean, that's, yeah, you, that's, just that's a, you just can't do that. Yeah, that's, that's a that's a doc line. that's doctor client privilege. But I mean, they've been at odds for so long, and then at the same time, she finds out this incredible secret that you know could take down pretty much her number one nemesis in in Gotham. Right? If she wanted to go back and be like, I want to take over Gotham. The only person to stop me is Batman. I can just be like, oh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. Call it afternoon. Blah, blah, blah. I'm done. Right, right, right. But she sees the turmoil in him. She sees, like, the pain that he walks around with every day. And she's like, dude, you just need someone to talk to about this stuff. It's a, you just need it, some help. It's incredible because, like, you forget that Harley's a therapist. And, <laughs> she, and like, she started helping people. Yeah, right. She started being that person that like thought she could fix the Joker. Yeah. She thought that she could help people to, you know, come to understand those things. Like therapy is an amazing thing. It's a human right. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing yeah, man. that Harley could kind of see that in Bruce and be like, listen, like I'm a villain. I'm not a bad person. <laughs> I'm a villain. I'm not a criminal. It's two different, it's two different things. Exactly. Exactly. No, but yeah. And to the point where, you know, she's just like, Hey, I'm your therapist now. I'm going to take care of you. That was really like, mm -hmm. wow, you know, she didn't have to do all that. Mm -hmm. She could have just kept it pushing, but she saw somebody who needed help. Somebody, she saw somebody who needed to talk to, that needed to talk to someone. And she made that call. That's, that was really beautiful. And I love that. Also get oral consent. So you can't get sued. All right. Next. 
award. I was, I was about to say, man. What you talking about, man? No, Harley's got to get oral consent from Bruce to yeah. be his therapist yeah, so no, she can't get sued. Uh, <laughs> listen, if anybody's going to litigate, listen, it's Bruce Wayne. Listen, all I'm saying is... I'm if sorry. anybody's going to take that shit to litigation... All I'm saying is, what, what were they talking about? That Bruce Wayne doesn't give oral sex? I don't know, man. <laughs> it took a second. I was like, well, this is, where are you going with this, pal? He's like juvenile. No mind a little lip service. Oh, boy. <laughs> Next. <laughs> Next category, please. Best Alan Tudyk moment. Our favorite guy, a king amongst kings, Alan Tudyk. Uh, voiceover artist extraordinaire. Probably my favorite part of this show from the cast. What was the fa- what was the, one of the best things that he's done all season as Clayface, as Joker, as any of these other great characters that we've seen so far? I'm going to imagine we have the same one. Uh, I'm going to imagine so that we do. And it's from my favorite episode, The Villies. Like, like Joker, Joker do. do. It, it's great. <laughs> it's a great rap. It's a great bit. Um, real uh, Pokemon rap energy. Like yeah. it's a, it's a really, it's like wholesome, but also like kind of <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> I love how it comes back in the season finale. He's like walking down the He's aisle. He's like, hey, like, like Joker like, do. Like Joker do. And it's like, ah, it's great. <laughs> And it's followed by like, I I see I'm in seat ZZ69. That's not a very mayoral place to sit. Now he points him to the back. He's like, yes, sir. You up in the back corner. Um, No, I I, like it's the idea that like this show is so very aware that it has Alan Tudyk at at its disposal. And he is down for pretty much anything. (laughs) They working that man's pipes to the bone. I hope he got some tea, a lozenge. (laughs) <laughs> you know, after every recording, because he's like that Jimmy Butler meme of like him just, just on working, the, carrying that ship on his back. Yeah, like put the team on his back, though. Mm. Yeah, he was great. All right, we're gonna go quickly because I know we're running short on time. Most surprising character cameo, uh, deep bench for the Rogues Gallery. As we know, we might have mentioned one or two of our favorites, but what was your absolute favorite from this season? Dude, bringing Matt Ryan back as Constantine for. A three-minute bit. My <laughs> dude. <laughs> I mean, like, that's the guy. That's the guy who plays Constantine. Every time you see Constantine, it's Matt Ryan. So when I see Constantine, I'm like, oh, cool. It's the consensus. He's, he's going to be in this episode. It's going to be crazy. Oh, it's, it's the bit. Oh, they left. He's he's gone. That's fine. <laughs> but like, it's the, it, I just love the broad spectrum consensus of like, we don't get anybody to play Constantine but, but Matt, Matt Ryan. Ryan. Like there's like there's not even another option. It, that's great. I just I love that like that keeps showing up. Also in a in a mal twist, I gotta you gotta have Billy Bob Thornton and James Gunn going there so playing smart, themselves. So smart that they only use Billy Bob Thornton for one episode because they could have just as easily had him for a little bit more. Yeah. But no, just just use him for one thing. Uh, mine was Sam Richardson as Swamp Thing. I love Sam Richardson. I'm like one of the, I'm one of the top five fans of that guy. He's you, great. Do you watch Detroiters? I watch Detroiters. I watch the After Party. Mm. I watch all that shit. It's mm. so good. I think you should leave. I think you should all watch that. Real talk, real talk. For sure. Um, But also knowing that, like, like, I have a weird affinity for Swamp Thing because I think he's, like, kind of so cool. I think he's, like, the beast from Beauty and the Beast of the DC Universe. He's one of the best. Um, Great, like, sort of, like, psychological turn that he's had where he's, like, kind of, like, erudite and, like, smart (laughs) and refined a bit. Like, that's super, super cool. Living. Um, Great to see him. All right, final award character we need to see way more of next season. Uh, we couldn't do just two of these, but we had to have a couple of them in there. Jomi, kicks off. I mean, you already know where I'm going to go with this one. We need more man. He was clearly the standout uh, side character for all, like, best jokes of the show. Every time he shows up, I laugh. He needed a carbo-lobe for the fuck fest. He needed his pasta maker back. Uh, he Like, incredible. Listen, if we don't get more Bane in season four, then the streets will run red with Razzy Zazzy! Yes! Uh, Dr. Psycho. Listen. I genuinely missed him. I genuinely... I, dude, when he shows back up... I'm like, fuck yeah! I was like, hey man, like, the sh- again, great season, but I was like... I kind of miss this little this little rascal man. <laughs> like, yeah. I miss his terrible his terrible human beingness. Like it was just like, you know, like oh man, this I forgot what it was like to have this terrible human being in this group. I missed it. I missed it, the camaraderie. You know, bring him back. Bring him back. Magnificent. And for a final quick honorable mention, because I got I, I I do miss my guy too, Kite Man. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Uh, if he's fine, if he's truly fine, 
I want him to ride off into the sunset. Uh, I mean, he's I want him to fly. I want him to gently glide off into the sunset. Here's the thing: like, I don't need like any more like relationship drama between him and Ivy. Like, that's cool. But I would love to see him like sh- like they're on a job or whatever, and he shows up. He's like, "Oh, Ivy, what's going on? What's up? You should- yeah, me and Golden Glider. Yeah, we went to uh, Paris last week. Oh, you want to hear about that? That's Honestly, that's that's really all that I need. I want him to be like Tinkerbell when it's like the star wipe at the end of the episode, and she just he just goes ding. Like that's what I want. Kite man to be, and he's like, and that's the end of that chapter. <laughs> hell yeah! As long as I get a hell yeah after every in every episode, I'm mm-hmm. good. No, I'm good. he's great. He's fantastic. All right, that'll do it for our season's awards. A fantastic season of TV. We absolutely loved Harley Quinn, and now it's time to bring in our special guests, showrunners Justin Halpern, Patrick Shoemaker, and Sarah Peters. Let's take a listen. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we are honored and, and honestly, truly blessed to be joined by the people in charge of Harley Quinn. Steve, I, I'm honestly, this is, I've never been more starstruck in it's, my entire <laughs> life. We are joined by Justin Halpern, Patrick Schumacher, and Sarah Peters. What's going on, guys? What's happening? None of us are fired. We all have our jobs. That's good. <laughs> yeah. It's a wonderful relief that everybody, we all have jobs as a well-employed uh, pod and a well-employed Zoom that we have here. Welcome to the show. Um, thanks so much for joining us. Let's talk about this excellent season three finale. You just put Bruce Wayne away for tax evasion and uh, the Bat family has a new member. Tell us what like inspired you guys to sort of like end this chapter of season three to kind of put Harley in the driver's seat to be a hero and Ivy a little bit on the back burner. Like, is there going to be some tension that we're looking to see in season four? Yeah. I mean, well, first we have a sign in the writer's room, like the Ted Lasso believe sign. It says every billionaire should be in jail. (laughs) (laughs) We tap it before we walk into the writer's room. That's why we ended Bruce Wayne in jail. Um, no, I mean, I think, you know, for us, we wanted to, we always try to end every season with kind of like a question posed for the next season and something to kind of, and Sarah believes in this as well. Like we're never going to break up Harley and Ivy, but that doesn't mean we don't want to like push the limits of their relationship. And, and as they grow as people challenge them, you know, well, they're fictional characters, but as they grow as fictional characters, challenge them to have to continue growing. Otherwise things start to fall apart. And I was curious about that. You guys have been on record as saying that, that, uh, Harley and Ivy are not going to break up and that they're going to be staying together for at least, uh, indefinitely through the rest of the show. Uh, I'm curious as to how far you thought you could test that relationship. Was there ever a time, uh, that you thought maybe we can put them on the rocks where maybe like kind of a friend situation, they were on a break. Like, was there ever something that you ever wanted to put that relationship in even slight jeopardy to, to kind of see where you wanted to play with? Man, I, I mean, if the show goes on, if, if the show becomes, uh, as we've planned uh, for it to become the Simpsons of the DC universe, <laughs> maybe like season 30. But I kind of feel like, you know, when we set out in season one, we were like, now this is, this is, you know, Harley's breaking off from the Joker. So it's a breakup story. We don't want her to focus on her love life at all until season two. Um, and it, at which point it's like, it's going to be Ivy. So, you know, obviously season one, we had Ivy and Kite Man. And that was sort of the romantic angle. We all know how, you know, where that went. Um, but no, I, I think, um, look, I, I think that they are more interesting together than apart. I think everyone knows in their hearts of hearts that, you know, when this show does eventually come to an end, hopefully like around 2067. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like the way you think. Yeah. That, that, um, 
that, you know, they're, they're going to be together. They're going to be like buried together or cremated together and their ashes intermingled, I love uh, that. at least in, in our, in our hearts. So uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Well, also I think like, and Sarah can speak to this is in the premiere this year that we wrote, remember Sarah, we were like talking about, I remember we had been pitching, Pat and I had been sort of pitching like immediately there's this tension and Sarah was like, let's just have them have like, we've, put these fans through two years of like, well, they won't they let's just, let's just have them have some fun. Right. Sarah. I mean, that was kind of like your, yeah. Well, you know, I wanted half of season three to be them like on the run, having fun, but um, <laughs> it got truncated into one episode, which I'm fine with, but I think like, yeah, it's like, I don't think the stakes of the story are ever going to be Harley and Ivy's relationship. Um, I just think they've been through so much and like the way that we sort of plotted that out through season two, by the time they got together, um, so much had been like figured out already. And there'd been so much kind of trial and tribulation that I, yeah, I wanted them to relax a little bit uh, at the top of season three. And then I think like moving forward, we're definitely going to see a lot of challenges in their relationship, but um, it's, at least on my watch as well, never going to be like, you know, is it over? Yeah. Sarah, you mentioned stakes in one of the real episodes in this season is Batman Begins Forever. And it's where, you know, Harley become, basically becomes Bruce's therapist. And, you know, she finds out he's Batman. And we see Bruce in a way, like, I don't think we've ever seen him before. For you, for you, like, what are the things about certain characters that you feel like you have to get right? And at the same time, with how zany, how fun the show is, what are some things that you feel like you can twist and play with within that playground? I think, like, ultimately something that's so fun about this show is, like, the tone is really complex and you're dealing with, you know, these characters that have so much history and and everything behind them. But when we can apply like a modern attitude to those kind of situations, I think it's at once feels like very fresh, but also is kind of the secret thing that, that grounds everything as well. So um, that's something that's really appealing to me about the show. And I think something that I love like locking into as well. There's so much like you guys go so deep in the bag with the characters, <laughs> like, you know, and and the content too, the CGI mustache, shut on me, James Gunn. Do you guys get any pushback from the up, um, from the higher ups? No. Like, hey, I don't know about this one, boss, or do you all, y'all just let it fly? I mean, CGI mustache, absolutely no pushback whatsoever. <laughs> they thought that was really funny. Uh, yeah, I mean, there have been times where we have expected to get pushback on certain things and and DC has embraced them. I mean, I remember back in like season two when we had the uh, sort of Batman standalone episode and we opened the show with the weird kind of like meta guys on a couch mm-hmm. and one of them's wearing a, you know, Last Jedi isn't canon shirt and then released the Snyder Cut. Yeah. And I got a DM from a, a television critic uh, who was like under no circumstance, who had seen it, um, a, a little sneak preview. They, they'd send, send the episodes out a week prior to their air. And that person said to me, uh, I, I am just advising you, this is from the bottom of my heart, I love the show, but under no circumstances should you release this episode with those bumpers. Because <laughs> you are going to be biting the hand that feeds you, you are going to be upsetting so many people. To the point where I sort of spiral, and it was like Friday at nine, and yeah. we, had, we had like locked wow. emailing people like, are we doing the wrong thing? This is one, you know, one detractor. And then they ran it kind of up the chain of command. And then Jim Lee at DC was like, no, nah, it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's that simple. So was that like a, a bit of like an awakening moment where they're like, okay, we can really like play with whatever we want and we're not really going to be hindered by any sort of like no bad ideas. Nothing's going to really stop us. Or are you still kind of being like, okay, like, let's, let's see how far we can take this. Well, I think that we sort of, uh, if if you think about it, our show is like, 
you know, when there's like a really large family and there's a bunch of people in that family that are fucking crazy. And there's like, <laughs> but there's like the secret quiet kid that nobody pays attention to who's actually the craziest. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's what, because we're sort of like not on that level of these like giant movies that they put a fucking billion dollars into or whatever that we're kind of like, I almost, sometimes I feel like, Oh wait, they had an orgy. Like they know that like three weeks later. <laughs> I'm already aired. Or uh, uh, Mike Carlin, who's our executive over at DC, did tell me once. He's like, "Oh man, every time I get a new script from you guys, I have a little heart attack." <laughs> we have some really funny standards and practices notes from from the season. Well, also like the first two seasons of the show, they were on DC Universe, which you know was a very niche kind of streaming service. And they didn't have the infrastructures that, you know, these large, uh, you know, streaming services have now where you have like a broadcast standards and practices and like, you know, legal, like it's like Justin was saying, it gets kind of you get to fly under the radar or we got to in the first couple of seasons. And now we're at HBO Max, but the show is working for them. And so they're kind of like, uh, yeah, keep pushing the boundaries. I mean, they definitely like in season three, were like, go harder, go harder. Um, so, you know, Mike's heart palpitations were getting uh, louder. But uh, uh, yeah, they, they, they've given us a, a, a lot of room. I'm sure when, whenever S&P gets the script, they're like, all right, clear out the day, man. We got uh, we to gotta put this time in. <laughs> the most one. frustrating thing, and I think Sarah could speak to this as well, like is, you know, the notes that we get from legal internally from like the studio that are like, if you're going to bring up that brand, you have to provide some sort of commentary on it. And whether that's like positive or negative, you have to, you know, if you're talking about Coca-Cola, you you have to either say Coca-Cola is great or Coca-Cola is shit. <laughs> the best one we got was we got a standards note. The note said, can you clarify this use of butt fucking? It's pretty clear. One of the clearest verbs <laughs> in yeah. history. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> there's a butt it's getting fucked well yeah there it's, you go. sometimes it's just that simple it's just that's that easy yeah sometimes it's that simple <laughs> well I, I wanted to ask about you mentioned working with hbo max and now that you're back on that network uh you've been you've recently been renewed for season four congratulations Woo. and um i wanted to kind of see like like break down sarah or anybody um what is getting that call like? Is everybody huddled around in a room just kind of waiting on the news from the governor? Uh, or is it kind of a, like, like do we get one email? Or is it just going to be found out in a press release on Twitter like, you know, some other more unfortunate shows that might have had different fates? It's always, it's never like, uh, this is the thing, rarely in this business ever are you getting a call where it's like, Guys, get together because it's <laughs> happening. It's always like we're hearing rumors, but it's we're not sure because nobody ever wants to actually write a check. So it's like I feel no, like you never get like all the information at once. Yeah. yeah. It's like a very slow yes. Yeah. It's <laughs> Interesting. a very weird thing. How yeah. slow is that? Yes. Is it like, well, maybe we'll see like down the line, maybe talk to us next month kind of a thing? Yeah, some season three pickup was literally like months. Yeah. It was like, it, w- it was literally like, yeah, each week new information would trickle <laughs> yeah. out about our possible pickup from mm-hmm. them. And I'm like, that, that was particularly long season, the season three pickup because we, we were migrating over to uh, HBO Max. So that was like switching networks timeline, which is crazy long. Season four took long because of everything Justin just said. And then also... You know, something that, that we've, we've all, uh, Sarah and Justin and myself, like uh, we've, been, we've been dealing with for, for a while now is that, you know, we're all Writers Guild members, but the show is not Writers Guild, uh, a, a Writers Guild signatory. And, uh, you know, we've been fighting to get the show uh, to become Writers Guild. And it's just been kind of an uphill battle and studios are, are, are really reluctant to do that. Um, so we've been trying to sort of negotiate kind of a la carte what improvements for the writers that have been working on the show for like three seasons that are still, you know, not getting things like script fees, um, you know, that sort of thing. So, you know, we were able to negotiate. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, residuals are still not a thing, but like they, they are in, you know, we work on Abbott elementary and, you know, writers get residuals uh, and, and all that sort of thing. And so there were, there were sort of uh, perks and amenities or whatever that um, we were we were able to negotiate like the writers now get script fees on on Harley Quinn starting with season four, um, so that that sort of thing takes a while. Yeah, yeah. 
That's absolutely wonderful. So, I, and I want to give the give you guys an opportunity to really uh, gas up Sarah because you guys are exiting as showrunners, and Sarah is now in the big chair. Um, tell us a little bit about the hands that we're going to be ushered in with, with for season four. Sarah, like, what are your big ideas? You got, you've got, you got the mic now. <laughs> Hold on, Sarah. Yeah, let well, me answer this. No, <laughs> no, 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 Here, speak for me, please, ma'am. <laughs> like, oh no, I'm going into labor. <laughs> I'm going to um, No, I think like, you know, I've been on the show since season two and there's so much that I like about it, but I think like I'm going to be pushing a little bit, just a little bit more diversity of uh, characters and, and people behind the scenes and um, my feminist agenda for sure. <laughs> so I think like, no, yeah. not now, now? Yeah. this late in the game. Oh, come on. With season three, we got to, like I said earlier, really dive in on like Harley and Ivy's dynamic together. And we had that nice sort of like honeymoon phase and stuff. And I think season four is going to be building out, their worlds a little bit individually um, and giving them new challenges now that they are this kind of like established power couple and what that might mean if they, uh, you know, are sort of like one is more aligned with like good and the other evil and how are they going to navigate that within their relationship. So that was super interesting to me, like the way that season three ended, like it sort of set them on these kind of different paths, but like, we know they're going to be together. So what does that look like? And and I think also just like Sarah wouldn't sell herself like this, but you know, she helped shape the voice of Harley and Ivy. Like really when Sarah came on the show, the, I feel like those two characters dialogue just jumped a level. Like she's one of the best dialogue writers on the planet. And I feel like it's just, um, for us, it's like the show kind of lives in the banter you know, between these characters. Like we always pitched it as like, this is the show about all the shit that happens in between the battles. Like when, you know, Joker's got to go to a Jiffy Lube to get his own. <laughs> like that's where this show lives. And and Sarah just like, I think understands that so fundamentally and like is such a unbelievable uh, dialogue writer that it, it just became kind of like, you know, in, in the hands of, if we put this show in the hands of Sarah, it's going to sound so good. And that's such the like core of the show. Yeah. That's awesome. So with Sarah, you know, taking on from season four forward, that means Justin and Patrick, you guys won't be on. What do you guys, what do you guys be doing? We're going to count money for a while. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. Um, No, we, we are running Abbott elementary right now with, with Quinta Brunson. Um, so we have executive produced that and sort of have been with that since the beginning and, and they're still involved in Harley. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yes. We are, we are, uh, sort of, we, we see everything that Sarah writes. We oversee it. We have conversations with her where we're constantly like involved and still producing, uh, Harley. Um, but yeah, Abbott has been kind of like, and, and also I think Pat may disagree with this, but like, I feel like it's sort of like, um, you know how like a coach coaches the team. And then after a few years, the team's like, I can't fucking hear that coach's voice anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I felt like creatively, like the three, you know, after three years, just me personally, I was like really tired. We had been making that show for five years and I was exhausted and I just felt like for me just personally, and, and Pat may feel different, but I was like, I, I want somebody who's going to like have a really like fresh voice coming in and, and taking, passing the baton to. Yeah. I agree that it was time for you to step down. See, thank you. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well, uh, so, somebody that I would definitely like to see step up in season four um, is probably our favorite character that we uh, would agree. It's Bane. Nemo Bane. Nemo Bane. Um, so when, Bank. When, when can we expect our spinoff, Sarah? Um, what's going to be the sort of main driving force for Bane's pasta vlog? What's yeah. going to be like, what, what, what is he really going to be thinking about in season four? I, I, I really do Whoa, just want to season four. You mean season one, season of one. Bane's yeah, no, it's, well, of course, season yes. one. Of course. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh my gosh. I don't know what I'm allowed to say, but I think you hit on, um, you hit on some themes, uh, just now in your question that, uh, we'll definitely be exploring in season four. We have, um, Bane has uh, a little episode. Wonderful. And, and, and more, more to a point, like there's such a big breadth of like, not only rogues galleries, but like amazing side characters from, the DC bench that you guys can pull from. Like, I was genuinely shocked when I got to see Swamp Thing. I was, like, enthralled that <laughs> that all of these characters have come back. Um, what makes you guys want to, like, kind of pull from that bench and have fun with them? And how is it able to, like, find a balance between, like, you know, the, like, complexities about how uh, Selena doesn't really need Bruce Wayne and still being too cool for them while you also have a great power couple in... Uh, Clock King. <laughs> Clock King and Riddler. And Riddler. Oh my gosh. I feel like, Pat, this is your territory. Oh my God. Yeah, no, that's, 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 a, that's a tough question. There's a lot of facets to it. I mean, uh, just in general, like, uh, even though the show is called Harley Quinn, I feel like it's it's really a giant ensemble and it's fair game for us to bring in any and, and everyone, you know, of course, like DC has to approve it, but um, you know, we've always had like a, a large sandbox and like every year I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? I think next season we really have to like focus in on like Gotham and like, you know, we did like the sort of like Epic thing, you know, they go to apocalypse uh, in, in season two. So maybe this should like season three should be like street level. And then we're like, nah, <laughs> <Now> <laughs> it bigger and bigger and bigger. I mean, I, I don't know. For me, it's like just a testament to the, you know, the the rich canon and mythology of of, of the DC universe. You know, there's, you know, 80 plus years of, of Batman alone and, and his, you know, lore and the mythology of Gotham to work with. And then, you know, you start to expand elsewhere. It's just like, there have been so many times that like Justin and I like wanted to create new characters and then we're like, you know, why? Like <laughs> they, they exist and we get to make them our own, mm-hmm. um, you know, within this universe. So, and then with like Clock King and Riddler, we were just like, well, you know, I think it was Jameson Borak who was like uh, one of the writers on uh, season. Uh, well, he's been with the show from, from the beginning, um, who was just like, they should be a couple. And like <laughs> Clock King should have that big, dumb clock face. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was James Adomian voicing him, uh, Clock King, with uh, Jim Rash as Riddler. And it was, yeah. You get to do such like, as like in the Clock King episode, he's when they don't win for best couple, Clock King and Riddler. Or Clock King's like, it's because of my stupid clock face. <laughs> 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 it's like, that's the part that always makes me laugh with these like deep bench players, is they're so fucking ridiculous. And it was clearly like, some guy in the fifties being like, ah, this guy's got a fucking clock for the face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and then you get to actually put that into action, and it's like, oh, right, like this is like, what would a guy like Clock King? You feel a little self conscious about it, I think. <laughs> no, I mean, and it speaks to the the talent, you know, behind the scenes and how well you guys operate, because there wasn't a ton of Kite Man this season, and you know, for good reason, you know, but at the same time, I was like. I miss that guy, man. Hell, hell yeah. You know? He's getting his own spinoff, so... Again, maybe. like, if, if, wouldn't be mad about it if, if him and Bane were just trying to figure out best uh, practices for cooking for their significant others. Yeah, man. Well, Listen. Bane is a series regular in the Kite uh, <laughs> Man spinoff, I promise. Okay, so. wonderful. Love yeah. that. Love that. Well, that's it from us. Thank you so much, Justin, Patrick, Sarah. We cannot wait to see season four when it drops in 2027. Um, we're just... Well, we can't speak to when it's going to drop, but it's it's sooner than you think. And, mm. and, yeah. Awesome. That's we awesome. appreciate that. Uh, it's, it was wonderful to have you. Congratulations again. And uh, we can't wait to talk to you guys again soon. No, thanks Thank for you so much. Yeah, thanks for having us. Great. Thank we're, you. Uh, we're really excited about it. Thank you. Thank you so much again to Justin Halpern, Patrick Shoemaker, and Sarah Peters. Absolute joy talking to them, Joe. It's awesome. We want them back any and every time. Let's have them talk about uh, Star Wars. I don't care. <laughs> uh, but no, they were, they were an absolute joy. We can't thank them enough. But that is a wrap for us. Thank you so much for listening. Quick programming reminders again. Tomorrow, Talk the Thrones is back right after the episode of House of the Dragon. Join CR, join Mal, join Joe once again for their instant reactions on that. And Tuesday... The deep dives resume 
with House of R and all of that great, great deep dive goodness. Uh, And Wednesday, the Midnight Boys are back to give you their season premiere. Instant reactions to Andor. Jomi, strap in. I'm ready for that gas, boy. Let's get it. Gas. Gas. All right. We want to thank our amazing producer, the man on the ones, the twos, really the 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 threes and fours, uh, John Spidey Kerm, the greatest, the best, with additional production from our good friend, you love him, good to everybody else here, Arjuna Ramgopal. Thank you, Junior Mints, once again. We love you so very much for rocking with us. I, we missed you, really. Like, I, I've, uh, I've been away for a minute, and getting back on mic and doing this interview with you, Jome, and working with Kerm, um, it's, it's been great. I've really, like, needed this, and this feels really, really good to be back here. Good to have you back, buddy. Good to be with all of you guys. It really, really means a lot. Um, and we're going to be back talking about Harley Quinn soon, whenever that comes back in 2057. And we're going to be back once again soon talking about She-Hulk and maybe a couple of other things down the road. But until then, Jomi, why don't you give us some parting words? Again, one of our biggest thanks to Sarah, Justin, and Patrick for joining us. Had such a fun time. Had such a fun blast. Learned a lot. Um, thank you all for listening. We love you. Shout out to our amazing producer, the mayor of Kerman Oaks, Jonathan Kerman. Oh, that's great. I'm gonna we're gonna make city puns for his name now. <laughs> and we love you all. And uh, just a quick shout out to our guy, Jonathan Chargebro. We love you, man. Yes. 